Thank you for joining with us for another episode of Morning Briefings here on the Pipeline Intercession for the President and on our podcast. If you have any dreams that you have about the office of the president, please send them to pip at christiancentershreveport.com. We're so thankful that you all have joined in with us on this prayer journey, and we look forward to standing with you not only today, but in the days ahead. So with that, we'll go ahead and join today's broadcast as we talk about the news and stand on the wall for this nation and the office of the president. Good morning, good morning, everyone. Zachar Skyden coming to you live from North Carolina, and it's good to be back with everyone on this Wednesday, August 3rd, as we spent some time with family and friends this weekend um, in South Florida, and then just glad to be back standing on the wall praying for the Office of the President as we get our emotions in check because today is a heavy dose of the days jump right back into everything but first I want to pray and build upon scriptural foundations as we always do as we're going on this journey um, through the end of the Reordering Our Day book in, in that Chuck Pierce wrote a long, long time ago. And today we want to look at uh, verse Samu- uh, chapter uh, one, uh, Sam- 1 Samuel 17 of the story of Goliath's challenge and David's acceptance and his journey along that process. And I just want to briefly talk about it realizing we always uh, we all pretty much understand that story and have read that story have heard it growing up if you especially if you grew up in the church in reminding ourselves that David was offered you know Saul's way of doing it the world's way of doing things with the armor and and he when you read the new american standard it talks about how he just he didn't feel comfortable with it because he it wasn't it wasn't the 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 way to fight that the lord had given him to fight you know god gave him through his journey in the wilderness uh, alone with the Lord of how to defeat the lion and the bear of just a little slingshot and some smooth rocks. And the prayer point for this that Chuck points out for today is through this, looking at this story of we need to ask the Lord for some faith strategies uh, of how to guide us is what is the Lord, what is the strength the Lord has given us to be able to navigate the environment that we're in, the challenges that we're being met with that are being thrown at us. And, and we'll get to some of those today. And just reminding ourselves that through Christ, all, you know, we can be strengthened um, to overcome what is what is put before us. Uh, and then today I want to close out on, on prophetic word that Chuck gave. We posted it. Um, but just a reminder of what, what we're up against in this season and, and what spiritually is happening. And so we just want to, I want to build upon that as we go through of asking the Lord for faith strategies of how to navigate this, not only natural environment, economic environment, um, but also the spiritual environment that we are in as it is a journey to go deeper with the Lord um, throughout this time. Now, with that being said, just a, a few things to kind of recap, you probably are all aware that the president, got COVID again because he was taking Plaxivid and uh, Plaxivid had been shown. Even uh, Dr. Fauci himself uh, got COVID again. Um, now, is this he really got COVID again or are they trying to hide him and keep him in hiding because of the 
kind of slow turn um, leading up towards the midterms and making sure he's kind of hidden away. Maybe, maybe not. We'll see as that plays out. Hopefully he doesn't get again um, third time. Then some questions really need to start happening. But is there two politicians I want to look at to start off? Is where we talked about how Nancy Pelosi had possibly talked about going to Taiwan. She has now gone to Taiwan. Um, and this is not a good look for the president because there were rumors that he had asked her to not go. And there were some lines that we pointed out here that he had told her not to go publicly. And yet she went anyways, standing up for Taiwan, saying we have an agreement to not only stand with Taiwan. Uh, diplomatically, but also in um, at hard stance of providing military assistance if they so need it. Now, China warned and said, hey, look, if you're going to do this, this is going to cause problems. So we're seeing that play out. And what's interesting is that at the same time that that is happening, Pelosi uh, – President Biden is trying to get back into a nuclear deal – with China and Russia, basically, uh, let's play civil. Uh, we know you guys have nuclear weapons or are gaining them, and there might be other people who can gain them, and we just want to make sure you're not going to do anything crazy. Um, now, at the same time, Biden's doing that, obviously, at Pelosi, but then you have former Chinese, uh, U.S. Chinese ambassador uh, Max Bukas on CNN talking about how China can smell weakness from 100 miles away, and they smell it within this Biden administration, and Nancy Pelosi going does not bode very well. Uh, we can see that play out, especially with what happened in um, Afghanistan with the Taliban, and I'll get to that here in a second. But he goes on to say, he said, the deeper problem here is really that the visit by the speaker is really pushing America more towards recognizing Taiwan's independence as a country, uh, that's a big problem here because the president has said we should be doing that. Um, and then ultimately he goes on to say, poor Joe Biden, he looks um, weak because he either told her not to go and it looks weak to the Chinese guys or he's weak because he told her not to go and she went anyway. And that just makes us look a bit a little bit weak to China. And that's that's part of the problem as he perceives it and, and the Chinese can see it as, hey, look, your politicians are divided on China and what to do. Um, there are some like uh, <clears throat> former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo who said this is actually a good thing uh, for her to go for us to stand with it. We'll we'll see. And, and the one thing to look at in, in this situation is 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 she preempting this to start building relations with these countries um, and making herself kind of look like the president as the president is kind of hiding away and you know there's the Chris Reed prophetic word floating out there that Biden um, won't make it through his first term um, with how Kamala Harris is handling things. Is she trying to position herself saying, look, I'm the one um, who can go out here and, and handle all the workload and, and interact positively with our allies around the world? We'll see. I think it's something to just pay attention to, be sober of, and be be aware of. And, and, and last thing, I want to get to this on the China subject is this week um, Secretary of, current Secretary of State Anthony Blinken will be in the uh, Asia-Pacific region meeting with 
um, other Asian Pacific countries at a U.S. Asian uh, ministerial meeting in in Phnom Penh, Cambodia, and it's just really assessing what's going on there. And the reason I want to bring this up is because we prophetic to pray for him, but kind of ties back into why it's important for this administration to listen to him because he's the one who seems to have kind of a um, a solid head on his shoulders. Is he perfect? No. There's some things he stands for that are, in our eyes, biblical. Uh, yes. Uh, the LGBTQ type stuff, obviously, pro-abortion, etc. But he came out uh, a couple days ago and said that um, when the U.S. was leaving Afghanistan, the Taliban vowed to bar terrorist groups, and he now is admitting that they lied as the rumor and possibility that um, there was an al-Qaeda leader who was in Kabul and ultimately was killed via a drone strike, although there's some discrepancies around that and I think it's yet to be seen as far as the reality of what's really going on there. But what is being found out is that al-Qaeda is operating uh, within Afghanistan after the Taliban said not to, and surprise, surprise, the Taliban lied. Uh, such a shocker there. They, they've been so honest all the way up until this point, and I'm being very facetious in that. But my point in saying this is, is he's willing to come out and admit, hey, we made a mistake. As he's meeting with these Asia-Pacific countries on this forum and relations, and as Pelosi's there, it's going to bring up the topic of China. It's going to bring up some very important issues to see where the world stands um, on this issue, what they're going to be doing, and and really important to pray for his voice to be heard in this season, um, especially on China, as obviously President Biden is kind of locked away in his office, supposedly having meetings, press briefings, et cetera, and stuff like that. Is he really um, yet to be seen? And, and so he's the reason I want to say we want to intercede for him to have his voice heard is because he, again, he will be hearing what our our partners and allies around the world and specifically in that region are going to be saying on this topic of China. Um, you know, there's the with the threat of China doing something to Taiwan after Pelosi goes, is is that a reality? So if they do something, what will these other countries do? What do they expect the United States to do? So he is there. We just want to pray for him to have wisdom and revelation through this season. And hopefully, hopefully the administration can listen to him as he hears out um, what our partners can say. And hopefully they can all, the White House and the administration can listen to the Lord. I'm not holding my breath on that one, unfortunately. Okay. Now, last night here domestically, we had some midterms in a few states. Um, GOP and Democratic primaries and... I don't want to go to, as I have been, um, on the specific races, the, the one vote I want to look at because uh, we talked about it before, the vote in Kansas on the, the state amendment to ban abortion in within the state of Kansas will be the bellwether and the gauge for the entire country to determine where it lies on the pro-life uh, issue, vote moving forward. And what this vote would have done would have made abortion illegal throughout the entire state of Kansas um, up until, I mean, zero weeks, like just gone. 
Um, and it was told the state legislature that, hey, yes, this is what the people within Kansas want. Now, the issue being before the vote is midterms tend to bring out less voters. With that being said, um, I want to look at the vote. Well, hold on. Let me go, let me go back. Let's – as of July th – this is a key point here. Let, let's rem remind ourselves of this. As of July, the Se Secretary of State within Kansas was reporting. So it's August. In the end of July, they were reporting that there were more than 851,000 registered Republicans within the state of Kansas, the entire state of Kansas. And you had more than four, uh, around 495,000 registered Democrats, according to monthly data. So based upon that alone, if every Republican would have gone out and voted based upon biblical moral values – Democrats do not stand for life and are for abortion. We understand that. If 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 everybody would who is registered would have gone out and voted and voted according to biblical moral values that they see fit within the Republican and Democrat party split, the republic the the vote for this amendment of banning abortion would have gone through on pretty much a two to one advancement. Meaning there are two to one, two Republican votes for every one Democratic vote. Would have won easily. ABC News and other outlets are reporting that with, let me blow this up, that with around 99% um, voter counted, votes counted, the vote lies at 534,000 no, meaning they reject the, the ban to 374,000 saying they do. And and, er, mm, mm. and there's still a few absentee early ballots to be voted. But based upon this, that means every Democrat voted for this, and some Republicans voted for this as well, based upon those who are registered within the states. You have upwards of 500,000 people not voting for this issue on the Republican side, meaning that they had the right to vote, they didn't vote. And as they were voiceless on this issue, the voice of the voiceless was canceled. Now, there are a couple ways to look at this. Um, there is um, a report from The Federalist from Michael New saying that, well, the, the thing to look at here is that how the law was written, it was quote-unquote vague, and, um, you know, this happened in, in uh, Mississippi, that people need to be more specific, and, you know, they need to be very detailed on what they're asking for, and this is how the Democrat and more so the pro-abortion movement works. They outspend, and especially in midterms, if you can outspend, um, you can get people to go vote. And what this is showing is that this is going to be a bigger issue in the midterms coming up than I think people are willing to realize and, and understand. And, and, and what Chuck was hearing from the Lord is, is that I think this will determine what's going to happen in the midterms. You know, the red wave, red wave, red wave. The Roe v. Wade vote kind of flipped that on its head a little bit. Um, but I do want to want to point this out. I want to read this from The Hill. Because this is what a more moderate viewpoint is. Um, 
there was uh, Max Greenwood from the Hill writing that um, the Kansas vote now gives new momentum to abortion rights. And I want to read this. He says, Kansas voters became the first in the nation on Tuesday to make a decision on abortion rights since the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade in June. The result, they rejected a proposed amendment that would have paved the way for the Republican-led state legislature to ban the procedure. The failure on the ballot referendum came as something of a surprise. Recent polling from the Kansas City-based firm um, Coefficient showed that 47% of Kansans plan to vote in favor of the proposed amendment compared to 43% who said they would vote no. Again, these are polls. They're you can kind of trust them. Who are they asking? Where are they asking? What time of day? How? What type of question were they asking? Polls are very, very skewed in favor of one way or the other. Um, but he goes on to continue and says, "Kansas isn't the only state where abortion rights are on the ballot this year, but the sound rejection of the so-called value them both amendment, which is what." the amendment was called in Kansas, and the stunningly high turnout for midterm election primaries, which is huge of why they were able to overcome um, the low voter turnout for Republicans, was a significant victory for abortion rights advocates and an early sign of the political backlash against the Supreme Court's decision to do away with the precedent set by Roe v. Wade. And it's not necessarily political backlash. It's more so of now you get to decide. This is what the Supreme Court wanted of here's your turn to make the decision. It's not we don't write legislature. That's what the Supreme Court was saying, and that's right. Now it goes to the states. You voters of this, in the state have a right to choose. So this is what they're choosing. He continues to say in, in the write-up, says the defeat of the proposed amendment is also likely to be seen by Democrats as a sign that their strategy to home in on abortion rights just might work. Facing otherwise tough political headwinds this year, the party and its candidates are hoping that anger over the Supreme Court's decision and efforts by several states to ban abortions could help motivate their voters in a year in which Republicans believe they have the momentum. Talked about it before. I'm going to continue saying it. Just because people are hearing in a silo that there is a red wave and a red tsunami does not mean that Democrats will 100% just give up. They're going to fight any way they can to try to hold on to the power to try to push their agenda, just as there are those standing um, for the right for life and etc. The battle is not in flesh and blood. And so what this vote does is it gives life to pro-abortion groups to fund, advertise, and activate people within states where votes like this come up, where votes for governor, 36 governors who are up for re-election this year, Senate, con congressmen and women who are coming up for re-election. Um, this will be a highly contentious midterm. Um, probably like we haven't seen in, in quite a while. And the, the fact that those within Kansas didn't go out to vote, who are even registered based upon biblical moral values, didn't vote, is a sign to be weary of, um, 
to acknowledge and understand that just because you hear this uh, red wave, red wave, red wave means that, no, you don't just sit back and say, oh, well, they got it. It's, you go out, you vote based upon biblical moral values. Um, so that's, that's that's a huge thing there. And then you're also seeing the Justice Department uh, push back against a Idaho bill um, trying to sue them to prevent it from going into effect. Basically um, saying that, well, in cases of medical emergency, you need to allow for abortion to happen. The bill says that. they The Justice Department says that it doesn't. And so they're going to argue like it's a one line within um, the bill uh, uh, that they're trying to define, wasting taxpayer dollars and everything. But the question is, is, is abortion the only necessary treatment in case of emergency of the mother and the child? Most um, ER doctors, doctors in this procedure say no. So very interesting to see here from the DOJ while there are a host of other things going on. This is their focus. But I digress. Now, uh, last few things is the talks with the um, climate deal that got reached over last week while we were gone from Mansion. I've kind of hit a snag. And that snag is Kirsten Cinema, in the fact of she is looking through and waiting for the review of the 700-page bill. Remind you, they're trying to cram in within a week a 700-page bill. Meanwhile, it has to get reviewed by the House parliamentarian. Um, and then it will have to go through the CBO for them to do an analysis, which takes quite a while. Uh, but yet they're going to try to cram this through. And all tense of purposes of negotiations from not only Chuck Schumer, but um, Senator Joe Manchin are that he's trying to persuade her. And the reason the deal, Build Back Better deal, failed before was because her and Joe Manchin were working together and understanding the realities of increasing taxes on Americans was detrimental to the economy, was detrimental to Americans. And um, Joe Manchin are is, is, I think, not fully understanding, number one, Kirsten Sinema, but also politicians, is he said this. He said... Um, I wasn't really sure a deal could be reached. And he says, I'm not in control of the timing. Senator Schumer is control of the timing, meaning that this is the reason why he didn't want to bring Kirsten Sinema in. He didn't want anything to prevent this bill from being pushed forward. Not only does it raise taxes, it goes down this whole green energy bill, um, build back better, which is even in the early implementations have shown to be disastrous, not only here in America, but around the world. It's this idea has come from the World Economic Forum and Klaus Schwab. And he is upset that people are um, getting he, – he says this. He says people get getting mad because they think this is some kind of orchestrated coup against them is just so wrong. Meaning cinema, it might be mad that she was left out of this deal, and that could very well possibly ruin this deal. Um, hopefully it's for other reasons of uh, this deal is utterly horrendous. Um, there will be no – supposedly from uh, Mitch McConnell, there will be no Republican voting for this, so they have to have Kirsten Sinema's vote. Like unless they can flip a Republican, which it doesn't look like they will, they have to have her vote 50-50 – 
go through the reconciliation process and um, have Kamala Harris break the tie. So that's how they're going to try to push this bill forward. Um, again, remind you, 700 pages that is trying to be pushed, rushed through. They're going to try to put it on the floor tomorrow or Friday um, and negotiate this basically with amongst Democrats. And um, the Senate parliamentarian has yet to review the text. So her office is reviewing it. Senate parliamentarian's office is reviewing it to see what is actually in it. And so we just we want to continue to pray for, and intercede for both Republican and Democrat congressional and Senate leaders to stand against this Bernie Sanders, Sanders spending bill um, that is continuing to be pushed forward. That is shown and continuing to show that it will cripple the next 34 generations if it is put forward. Thankfully, uh, the House is on recess for the rest of the month of August, which is why Pelosi's uh, doing her Asia tour. They might come back in case of emergency if this bill were to go forward, and they would have to vote on it and, and confirm their own side of the bill. So uh, very interesting here. And then last thing is while the U.S. is going towards this green energy deal, uh, Germany is going back to coal-powered plants because they don't have enough oil and gas from Russia, um, and which is something Trump warned them about. So even a Green Party politician within Germany is saying we have to do this because it is ultimately necessary. Um, just kind of very interesting to see how things are playing out there. And, and then I want to close out on this word from Chuck Pierce. Um, but I first want to say this and, and be aware of this is as interest rates increased, we're seeing Americans use credit card debt as they struggle to keep up with high costs. The There was a $46 billion increase year over year last quarter of people using $46 billion more of credit cards, meaning they don't have enough money, so they're using credit cards to pay for things. And that is very troublesome as interest rates rise. And so using credit cards is not a proper strategy. And I want to play this from Chuck because I think this is – some of you have seen it before, but I just want to remind you of it and, and play it here because this is a, a great um, – just like David, is a great time for us to acknowledge where we're at in this time and season and go deeper with the Lord to navigate not only this season, but the season ahead. So I want to play this. I saw a picture that fits with both of what they're saying. We were on a plateau and we were overlooking a, a, a canyon and we also could see the top of a mountain. And the Lord says, you have plateaued. And you're going to have to make a choice. You're either going to have to go up or you're going to have to go across. How you respond to me is how you will find your journey ahead and off of the plateau. 
Don't choose being comfortable on the plateau. Choose either to find the bridge across the ravine and the canyon or to go up to higher heights so you can see your path in a new way. Choose not the plateau that you are presently standing on. For that plateau will become dry and you will not find the prosperity that I have ahead for you. And this is a great reminder of what we've been going through of moving from glory to glory, from strength to strength, of going into a new wineskin, which was talked about for years now, of understanding of now it's time to go deeper with the Lord. And, and, and I mean, this is again Rick Joyner's book of um, the call of going higher. It, it just plays out there um, that we're still walking through. And so, as we enter into this season uh, ahead of where we've hit this plateau, where we're in this environment that looks disastrous, that looks, um, you know, like there's Goliaths in the land, is is this time to seek the Lord for faith strategies to? be able to allow us to be able to defeat the enemies that are in our lives and and, and as we go through life there's there's going to be times where we have to let go of the old wineskin and enter into the new and enter into the new glory the new strength of trusting in the lord of going deeper in relationships with him um so i want to end on that note uh, of there's the word of the lord there's prophetic to confirm um, and stand on this it leads us back to scripture and we're at this season where our trust in the Lord is going to be needed stronger now and even in the days ahead to make sure we're prepared to be able to walk through this environment that we are in and somewhat of our own doing um, as the body of Christ as we're seeing with the vote in Kansas of just not using the voice that they have of going out and voting for life. So with that, I'll close. Blessings to you all. Don't forget we have our noon prayer today, our appeal to heaven. And I'll be back here to close out this week, um, back on regular schedule now. So blessings, and I will see you guys later. Have a good one.